0: But for right now we're here to worship and um, we're here to open up God's Word so I want to encourage you if you brought your Bible to take it out with me and if you're at home um, you didn't need to bring it it's there so go grab it bring it back to the living room or wherever you're joining us from and join us in the Gospel of Luke uh, we're going to be in chapter 2 beginning at verse 40 Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 40 and the child grew and became strong He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well today is the the first Sunday of the new year. Can we get an amen for that? Amen. amen. Woohoo! We're excited. Yes, it's worth clapping for it too. You can clap at home as well. And it's the last Sunday that we're going to be focusing on the season of Christmas before we begin a brand new sermon series called Hitting the Wall, which is going to be starting next Sunday. So I want to give you just kind of a little preview of that. I was reading an article recently, and they cited a, a poll that they did just in the last couple of weeks of, of people who would consider themselves committed Christians, people who a year ago would say they went to church on a regular basis and prayed on a regular basis and read their Bibles on a regular basis, all of those things, today they did a poll and found that 22%, or 2 out of 10 people, are not worshiping in church at all. They're not worshiping online, they're not worshiping in person. That means if if you went to church a year ago, 2 out of the 10 people that sat around you in the pews aren't doing anything. And and I get it. Like, like how many of us, and just here, show of hands, how many of us have fallen out of routines that are healthy for us at some point over the last 12 months? Just show of hands. Like, all of us have done that. And I know that in the routines that I've fallen away from, in my relationship with God, my relationship with God suffers as a result. And so, next Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through several stories in the Bible. Stories of people who also hit walls in their faith. People like Jonah, who God called to go to a certain place, and so what did he do? He ran the other direction. We're going to learn about that. Uh, We're going to learn about people like, like Peter, who denied knowing Jesus in his hour of need and then wondered if Jesus would still accept him. People like Thomas, the disciple, who questioned the resurrection. Abraham, who God said would have a son, and he just so didn't believe it that he laughed about the idea. The truth is, There's actually so many examples throughout scripture that we're not going to have time to go through all of them. And that tells us that even as we falter in our routines and our commitments, we're in good company when we come before the word of God and we watch the footsteps of those who have gone before us. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's a precursor to the next series that we're going to focus on, which is going to begin on February 17th, which is the beginning of the season of Lent. And if you don't know what the season of Lent is, it leads us to Easter. And when I say that, I know people are like, oh my goodness, we just got through Christmas, Pastor Tom. Leave me alone, right? But it's coming. It's coming soon. And and here's why why I'm showing you all of this now. Because after we've looked at the walls that we're all hitting in our faith, we're then going to recommit ourselves for the season of Lent, which is what historically Christians have done uh, for generations we're going to recommit ourselves to, to, to the faith and to our relationship with God and take those weaknesses that we found in ourselves and place them at the foot of the cross so that we can have an even stronger relationship with God in the season to come. And so I want to share that with you because I'm really excited and I'm encouraged by this season. I'm, I'm really hoping that, that God does some amazing things in your life and I'm looking forward to a renewal and the things that I have fallen away from as well um, because this past year has been just this constant response to the ongoing tensions, right? And different crises and tragedies. And and the truth is, those things don't just magically go away because the calendar changed. But while... They're not going to go away overnight. We have insight today that we didn't have a year ago. Insight to our weaknesses. And so we're going to bring those before God again so that we can find his strength. But today, uh, we're going to we're going to wrap up the beginning of Jesus' earthly life. And we're going to share uh, a story that, that we share pretty often here, maybe even once a year. It's my favorite parenting story in the Bible. It's the time when Jesus' parents forgot him for three days. <laughs> and, and I love this story, not because I think it's a good thing. For parents to forget their kids, but every time I share this story, Ted comes up to me and tells me his story. Right? Uh, you do, and and so does every other parent. Right? We all have that story where where we thought the child was here and they weren't, and we were at the mall or we were at Disney World or wherever it was. And so when we read about the story of Jesus' own parents forgetting him for three days, we think maybe I'm not so bad. And so so we're going to get into that. But before we do, I uh, just kind I kind of want to wrap up this whole section. We read part of it last week as well. it's all um, located in Jerusalem and last week we learned about an old man named Simeon and his earthly and Jesus earthly parents brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem. He was just an infant and they, they went to go through the purification rituals of, of someone who had just had a child for Mary and then to present Jesus, as the firstborn son um, to the Lord. And so that's what they did. And Simeon had been waiting faithfully for a long time, many years, because God told him somehow that he would not die without seeing the Savior. And so so that's that's what happened. And the Holy Spirit nudged him to go to the temple that day. And if you didn't join us last week, this this is what we read. This is what happened. Simeon took him in his arms, verse 28, and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And I shared this last week. I mean, just, just think. Can you imagine waiting a lifetime for something, anything, but especially something that God has told you would happen before you die, that you would see the Savior of the world. Can you imagine the moment when that is finally revealed? And what we learned last week from Simeon is that that sometimes commitments to things that that happen every single day are more important than a one-time resolution. Even though resolutions are really flashy this time of year, sometimes commitment matters more. And I thought about this more this week. And if you think about it, what's most important to us in life, whether it's relationships or other things, we tend to make commitments not resolutions. For example, when when two people get married, right? When two people get married, they typically don't make a resolution to one another. They make a commitment to one another because a commitment is ongoing. I commit to you in sickness and in health until death does us part. And so we look at Simeon and we see that Simeon made a commitment to the Savior to look for God every single day. And it's commitments like that that carry us through life. It's the commitment to make sure you nourish your body by eating. It's the commitment to to going to work, to to caring for yourself, to making a living, to parenting your children. The list goes on. And what we see in this section is that Simeon is not the only one who's made a commitment. Right after that, we we meet another person in the temple. Her name is Anna. She's a prophet. Look at verse 36. It says, She was very old. And she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now just put the math together there. Anna... What kind of commitment she made. She she was married for seven years. And death in marriage is always difficult, but especially so at that moment in your life with most of your married life ahead of you. What a tragic time to lose a spouse. And then she makes a commitment to God. And she worships him day and night, maybe even literally living in the church, living in the temple for 77 years. And then she's there to meet Jesus, that's commitment. Now I hesitate to share this with you, but I—I I, um, I started. <laughs> Ed's laughing already. <laughs> I started running a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. And I say I hesitate to share this because I'm not quite at a commitment yet. I'm probably more like a resolution. But it all started because my my oldest son is in middle school, Jacob. And he had to run a mile, right, Jake? Jake's with us this morning. And so I said, I'll run with you. And and I did, and I'm proud to say that I'm still faster than my child. But... (laughs) As we were running and as I was getting out of breath, I realized that if I want to run a mile with my younger children when they're in middle school, I probably need to recommit myself to, to running. And so, so that's what I started to do. And, and um, I was reading a news article the other day, and it was about a runner. And so it kind of piqued my interest. And it was about a man from West Bend, so not far from here. His name is Peter Rettler. I've got a picture on the screen here of him from the article. And they did this article on this man, Peter, because he has been running every single day, and he has not missed a day for 27 years. And it all started 27 years ago when he and a friend just made the commitment to run every single day for a year. And they did, but he never stopped. And he lives in Wisconsin, he's always running outside, all of these things. He's had had surgeries, he's uh, had go through snowstorms, all this stuff, and every single day he's run. And so I was reading the article and I thought, you know, I'm going to not feel so bad about myself because this guy's got to be like a marathon runner or something, right? And so I read more and I learned that he's not. (laughs) He's just an average guy. He's just run two and a half miles every single day, which isn't that long for a runner. But they did the math, and they learned that by doing that for 27 years, he has put on over 24,600 miles. 24,600 miles. Now, just imagine if you decided today, in the year 2021, I'm going to make a resolution to run 24,000 miles. (laughs) How many people feel motivated to do that, right? Nobody would. But for a guy like Peter who runs every single day, just conservatively speaking, if you're not a runner, probably takes him less than 30 minutes to run two and a half miles. And so he's run 24,000. Thousand miles, 24,000 miles, and it's all been through a small commitment of less than 30 miles, or less than 30 minutes a day. That's commitment. That's what a commitment can do. And so we see that in the life of Simeon. We see that in the life of Anna. And then in today's reading, we see that Jesus shows his commitment to us. Look at verse 40. It says, The child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And then Luke fast forwards throughout Jesus childhood. We don't know anything now until he turns 12. He's in middle school just like my son Jacob. Verse 41. Every year Jesus parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Now, every year when I preach this passage, I always say it sounds worse than it actually is, and I was thinking that kind of sounds like every parent who tells you about the time they lost their kid, right? It sounds worse than it actually is, but but it really does. He was 12 years old. In Jewish culture, he's on the cusp of being an adult, and, and even if it wasn't in that culture, 12-year-olds can fend for themselves for a while, right? And, and so what they would have been doing is they traveled to and from Jerusalem is they would have traveled in groups because all Jewish families were called to be in Jerusalem, for the Passover, and so it wouldn't have just been Mary and Joseph and Jesus, it would have been their relatives, it would have been their friends, and so it would have been likely that Jesus would have been hanging out with his cousins or something as they were traveling together, and his parents are good because they eventually wanted to check in with him, make sure he's okay, and it says in verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, ask, asking them questions. Everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, when I read that section, I just can't get over three days. Can you imagine three days? Three days before amber alerts and cell phones and all of those things. Three days. Not to mention, this is the child. that An angel literally came to you and said, this child is special, and you lost him for three days, right? Like, like, oh my goodness, three days. Luke two forty-eight. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Of course, right? That word probably doesn't even scratch the surface. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And the last time I preached on this, and, and Pammy, if you could leave that up on the screen for just a minute, I noticed the impulse of Mary for the first time. Look at her question, Son, why have you treated us like this? It's as if she's telling Jesus, that he stayed behind in order to do something to them, <laughs> to create anxiety and worry, because that's what every 12-year-old's job is, is to create anxiety and worry in their parents' life, right? <laughs> Feels that way sometimes, but, but as I read this passage this year, it, it resonated with me in a different way, and I thought, how many times do I ask the same question of Jesus myself? How often do we ask the same question when we don't feel his presence with us. Why have you treated us this way, Jesus? Why have you treated us this way? Where were you in the year 2020? You know, with this pandemic, and this fighting, and this racism, and this political turmoil, and this economic destruction, why have you treated us like this? We've been anxiously searching for you. That's the question that Mary asks Jesus, and And frankly, it's the same question that a lot of us often ask, even if we don't have the guts to say it quite the way Mary did. So the question is, how does Jesus respond to that question? How does 12-year-old Jesus respond when Mary says, Son, why have you treated us like this? Look at verse 49. He says, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. See, they didn't understand what he was saying to them because they don't know what we know. You see what Jesus did there? He calmed the anxiety of his parents by pointing them to his never-ending commitment to the Father in heaven. He calmed their anxiety and worry by showing them his never-ending commitment to the Father in heaven, that I've always been with the Father, that I was in my Father's house, that of course that's where I would be, but that might not be helpful enough to us. And so immediately after, he then also points them to his never-ending commitment to them. Look at verse 51. They went down to Nazareth with, and he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. let me read this again then he went down to nazareth with them lest you think he's just a 12 year old that's defying his parents not the case at all he went back home with them and was obedient to them and because of that his mother treasured these things in her heart and here's the biblical truth that i want us to walk away with this morning commitment eases our anxiety and brings us peace Commitment eases our anxieties and brings us peace. At 12 years old, Jesus is already grabbing his mother in his arms and saying, I was here committed to the Father and to you the entire time. You may not have known where I was, but I was never lost. I was always there. I was always in my Father's house. And friends, jesus wants you to know the same thing in your life as well he wants to remind you and me that he's always been there he wants you to know that on the first sunday of a new year because i know we all want to say good riddance to 2020 i want to say it right we all want to say it goodbye we want to do that but we also need to remember that 2020 is not a lost year either It's not a lost year any more than the three days when Mary and Joseph looked for Jesus were lost. They were not lost. They may have been worried and anxious. But while they were worried and anxious, Jesus was in the Father's house the whole time. And he was learning and growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And you know the rest of the story. He was there to prepare to do what he came to do, to die on the cross, to be committed to the Father, to spend three days in death, overcoming our death and our sin and our grave. And he did it through a never-ending commitment to the Father that even was expressed in his dying words when he said in Luke 23, he said on the cross in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. And that's what Jesus was preparing to do when he was 12 years old in the temple. And in a mysterious way that we will never fully understand, that is also what Jesus has been doing in our lives throughout this past year as well. That's what he's been doing for us. He's been in the Father's house preparing for you and for me. And so we embrace that truth like Mary treasured those things in her heart and allow Jesus' never-ending commitment to us to ease our anxiety and bring us peace. Something that that I share at almost every funeral that I'm a part of. I, I was part of a funeral just this past week, and And almost every one, we read John 14, where where Jesus promises to bring us to the Father's house. And and we read these words, verse 1. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you may go also where I am going. You know the way to the place where I am going. The more difficult life becomes, the more we can find comfort and rest in the reality that Jesus is preparing a place for us, a place where none of the brokenness, none of the pain of this world will be any longer. We also recognize that, Some of us still struggle not knowing the way. Even knowing that truth, we still wonder. Jesus still seems distant and lost, like he seemed to Mary and Joseph. And so we get anxious and worried. And so I love that we're not alone in that either. Thomas, one of the disciples, felt that way. And he said to him in verse 5, he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. (laughs) That all sounds wonderful, but how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we say, okay, well then what does that look like? Well, it looks like commitment. It looks like making a commitment to Jesus. And Jesus says as much in verse 15 when he says, If you love me, keep my commands. Do what I've called you to do. Why? Why? Because as we commit ourselves to God, God reminds us of his never-ending commitment to us. It's expressed in Deuteronomy 7, which might very well be a verse that we could memorize for this upcoming year. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So may that promise that he bestows on you and me be our prayer and our hope and our peace in the year to come. Let's
1: watch. This has been a long year, a year of uncertainty struggle, pain. We've watched a virus take countless lives. People we knew. People we loved. Jobs have been lost. Businesses have shut down. And churches have been forced to close their doors. We've witnessed division on an unprecedented level cities filled with violence, streets filled with protesters, and we felt the sting of racism, the deep heartache of hate. There have been times where it's been difficult to see the hand of God. But even in the darkest of moments, He has been there, faithful, present, powerful. As a new year begins, we stand on a simple truth. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. We don't know what this new year will hold, but we know that it's held by a God whose mercies are new every morning this is where we place our trust this is the truth on which we stand this is our hope for the new year